Therapy is a hot topic these days. It seems like everyone is talking about it, yet I often wonder how many people are actually in it. I began going about two years ago, on the heels of a breakup. And even though I had been talking about going to therapy for years, I was still very anxious about it. Knowing that I couldn't be the only one who felt this way, I recently talked to my friend Kayla about her experiences with therapy. Kayla is a 26-year-old Black woman who is in a great place in her career and has what many would consider a healthy relationship with her boyfriend. I was interested in why she decided to go to therapy and the impact it's made in her life. I'm Ariel Hairston. Welcome to Grow Room. Hi, Kayla. Hi. feel like I haven't spoken to you in a while, but it hasn't been that long. It's been maybe like a week or so. No, um, it's it's been too long. A week <laughs> is long enough. A week is long <laughs> enough. Yeah, we need this conversation. Um, so since you and I have talked about therapy, I wanted to know like what therapy has done for you. I wanted to start off by like talking about like why you decided to go to therapy in the first place. I knew... I probably first needed a therapist in college and I had kind of like not a mental breakdown, but just this extreme mental burnout. And, you know, when you get into your last year in college and all this pressure is on you to graduate, you're trying to finish up all your classes and you don't really want to do it. It was like everything was piling on top of each other and then you have to get a job and all this stuff. And one day I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like my brain had completely shut off. And, you know, when I was trying to talk to people about it, it was like no one really understood or like no one could tell me what was wrong. And I knew then I was like, okay, this is the perfect time to get a therapist. But I actually didn't get one until maybe earlier this year. So um, in 2021? Yeah. Literally, I had the consultation December 2020 because I knew in 2021 I wanted to have a therapist. And, um, you know, I took my time. I, you know, did a bunch of different consultations with people and just kind of thought about what kind of style I wanted. I had to learn about the different styles because I didn't know. And, um, yeah, then I finally decided. But before that, I couldn't afford a therapist anyway. (laughs) So I just decided to use, um, I decided to follow people on Instagram that were therapists. Many women who cannot afford a personal therapist follow therapists online who post general information that aims to help people suffering from trauma or need help with boundary setting, relationship problems, and even self-love. It can be a great first step to actual therapy. This is what happened with Kayla. That's when I knew, like, by the time I got into therapy, I was like, okay, yes, I absolutely want to work on these things because I noticed this, I noticed this, and I noticed this. And my therapist was like, this is great. Perfect. Now, it didn't get all the stuff. (laughs) Um, Of course, she called out a lot of different things, but um, that definitely was, like, my start to being introduced to therapy. Typically in therapy, your first session is really just about your therapist getting to know you. It's not usually until your second or third session that you start to see what part therapy will play in your life. For Kayla, it meant she was going to be tackling her relationship with her parents. 
I got really emotional. I mean, of course, since you're talking about your parents, but I just didn't expect to get that emotional talking about them because you're not used to, you know, talking about your relationship with the people that you've grown up with your entire life. And as she started to kind of delve deeper into different relationships, my third session was the one about my mom and our relationship. And then I got emotional again, which I never, like that, that just never really happened for me. Those first couple sessions were definitely, um, it was nice to be able to talk to someone about it. And I didn't realize how nice it was until I was able to talk to someone about it. What was that like telling them that you were going to therapy? I assume you didn't tell them that you were going for them. But like, what was <laughs> what was that like, like telling them? Because, you know, in our community, it's kind of hard to talk yeah. about it. It's something that is taboo still, even in 2021. So what was that like? I just recently told my mom, you know, about what I've been talking about in my sessions. And I, I took the approach of not blaming um, mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't think that's productive, but I took the approach of this is what I'm learning about myself. And this is kind of how you relate to this. And surprisingly, she was really receptive. She thought it was insightful. Um, and she actually thought it was more insightful than me telling her that she needs to go to therapy. <laughs> um, it, it gives a moment for them to be able to self-reflect. And I know a lot of times for uh, Black families, it doesn't happen that way because they can get defensive and say, well, I didn't do that to you or that's not my fault or you need to let that go. And so, you know, it's you kind of have to feel that out and see where this person's headspace is at. Like I know some parents you can talk to about some things and some parents you can't. And it, it applies the same way. You kind of have to develop that that sense of like, okay, they're going to understand this or no, they're not going to understand this. And even if they don't, that's okay because therapy isn't for them, it's for you. Social media has made therapy seem almost trendy. People often define it as a spiritual awakening and openly express the joys of going to therapy. What they don't always discuss is how hard it is. Having to come to terms with your own shortcomings is no easy task, and it can even be a traumatizing experience as you learn to grow. I wanted to know what Kayla thought about this. Therapy is not all shits and giggles. It is hard work, and not the kind of hard as in facing a difficult problem at work and you just don't know how to handle it. It's a different kind of hard. It's a sitting with the fact that there's a new realization about yourself, which is majority of the case with me. There have definitely been some moments where my therapist has said something and I'm like, I don't think that's true. I, I don't think that applies to me. And then I go throughout my week and then at the end of the week, something happens. And that exact same thing that she said is true. You know, so it, it gets a little funky <laughs> and that's where, that's where the hard part comes in. Um, but at the same exact time, it is enlightening. Like there have been moments in therapy where I've literally laughed because she said something that made a connection. And I was like, how did she do? <laughs> That's 
me? You know, and it, it's really enlightening because now you start to realize, you know, your triggers. You start to realize why you get upset at certain things versus why you get more upset at things versus how other people get upset at things or, you know, why you do the things that you do. It's so relieving to know that you're not crazy, <laughs> that other people have identified with this feeling, that other people can relate to this feeling and that you can actually solve this feeling once you recognize at the beginning. I know for me, therapy has allowed me to learn things that I didn't know about myself or things that I thought I knew about myself. Like I knew I did this thing, but I didn't know why I was doing this thing. And I thought it was one reason. And my therapist was like, "Mm, no, that's not the reason. And once you have that aha moment, like you're like, oh my God, this, this makes total sense. Then you're able to change your behaviors. I can speak for myself when I say that um, when I went to therapy, my thing was, how do I stop leaving people? How do I, I had this thing where I would just leave every relationship. The moment something went wrong, I would just leave. Yes. Or I would drive them to leave. It would be yes. either or. Yes. And I came to realize that I had a control issues. I needed to be in control of everything because if I could control how someone left me, then I would I wouldn't feel so completely out of control of the outcome. You'd be I would more be prepared like, for the outcome. I'd be more prepared for it um, because I guess in, inside I felt like they would leave me anyway. Yes, I identify. <laughs> <laughs> It's like this feeling of unworthiness of your relationship and of love in general. And it causes you to self-sabotage. And that was a huge thing for me. And for me, it came from the absence of my father and not having a positive image of love from another man. And so when a man did love me, I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't know what this is. This is, what is this? And it scared me. It was scary. It was terrifying. And it drove me to be very self-sabotaging. And therapy helped me with that. (laughs) I said that I identify with that. But, you know, my dad was in my life. My mom was in my life, but they got divorced when I was like in kindergarten. It wasn't a bad divorce or anything like that. My dad was literally always around. And when it came up in therapy, that was like one of the first things I mentioned when I was giving my life story. I was like, well, you know, so we start from the beginning, here's this and this and that. My parents got divorced when I was in kindergarten. And she brought that up in the next session. And she was like, well, you know, did you feel like he left you in a sense? And I just kind of sat there like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> and, you know, I really wanted to honor that feeling. I didn't want to make it up. But as time kept coming out, you know, it turns out that is one of the main causes of abandonment issues is divorce. And it could be as big as not having a father to having a father that just left the house. Yeah. You know, so you feel like it's your fault. And especially as, as a, a kid, kid, you feel like it's your fault. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can especially drag that into adulthood. A lot of the 
issues that I've been working through now stem from the feeling that I've been holding on to since I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And I would also like to add in terms of the feelings going away, sometimes they never go away as well. Sometimes, you know, it becomes a part of your identity and that's okay as long as you are continuing to improve and to get better as a person. And it gets easier every day. You don't have to be ashamed of that, whatever it is. You know, because a lot of the times the things that are quote unquote wrong with you aren't your fault. And they're things that you encountered as a child. When you think about like, why aren't my relationships working? It's usually something from your childhood. That's it's usually something that. with your with your caregiver and your childhood. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gosh darn. <laughs> Gosh darn. Gosh darn. <laughs> Aside from childhood trauma, I was curious to know if there were any other areas in Kayla's life where therapy disrupted things for the better. She specifically pointed out her career and the problems she has had with receiving criticism. I realized, you know, as I got older in my career and I started getting put in new places that I was having a hard time accepting anything that was other than you're amazing and you're doing a great job. While going through therapy, working through specifically through my relationships with everybody, with, you know, my boyfriend or my family, um, a lot of those same themes came up with my self-esteem. And I realized, oh, well, while I'm building up and being better in my self-esteem and my relationships, it directly correlates with how I can take feedback in my career. So now if someone says, hey, like you're not, you know, you're not really doing that great of a job, I can say, okay. I don't have to go home and go cry about it. (laughs) I don't have to go home and beat myself up over it. I can say, okay, you're just kind of lacking in this area. How do you fix it? Accept what they said and how do you fix it? And that was completely unintentional. To me, I interpret it as criticism and being able to accept criticism. And I've had that same problem in my life. And it, it really feels like, like we have the same stuff like which is kind of crazy uh but I, I remember writing it was hard for me to accept criticism and I think the way that I accepted criticism in my writing was by asking for it by specifically asking for it and asking people okay well, what do you feel about this and what's wrong with it and I think the the big thing about criticism the reason why a lot of us can't take it is because we see it as a personal attack on ourselves and we take it too personally. And that's also coming down to self-worth. Like if this isn't perfect, then I'm not perfect, then something's wrong with me. (laughs) With realizing that I had to be like, okay, this isn't personal. They're not telling me I'm a bad writer. They're just telling me there's something wrong with this specific thing that I wrote. And the more that I sat with that and the more that I accepted that criticism, the easier it got. And to a point where now I don't think it means anything about my writing because sometimes I just write something that I know, like just to get it down on paper. And I'm like, okay, maybe someone else will help me make this better. But I don't feel like I have to like take on all this weight of like this pressure to be like this perfect writer. I had to let that go. I had to relinquish that. That control, again, going back to control. I'm still trying to let that go. Just FYI. So you're doing great, honey bun. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. The conversation was getting good, and I wanted to dive into different attachment styles. 
You may have heard about them a lot in either your own therapy sessions or again on social media. According to attachment theory, you're either one of four attachment styles. The first three are insecure attachments. If you're anxious preoccupied, you have a negative image of yourself and a positive image of other people. If you're dismissive avoidant, you have a positive image of yourself and a negative image of other people. If you're fearful avoidant, you have a negative image of yourself and a negative image of other people. And then of course, there are secure people. I asked Kayla what her attachment style was. <laughs> I didn't realize that I was on the opposite spectrum of what I thought I was. So Me too. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No. Oh my God. Please don't <laughs> tell me you thought you were the same thing and you ended up being a different thing. Because I'm going to be like, we're the same person. Well, well, I thought, okay, I thought I was maybe like a mix of like secure and avoidant. And I actually ended up Are you being actually anxious? anxious. Oh my God. Okay, well, we're the same person. That's it's nice. crazy. Before you dive into that, <laughs> let me tell you. So I was in therapy and I'm like, yeah, I, I've been looking at the different attachment styles and I think I'm avoiding attachment. And I think I, and she's like listening to me and I'm like, I feel like, because remember I told you I'm always leaving relationships. So it's like, I feel like I just avoid. And literally what she said was like, I'm going to have you take this, this attachment test. Mm-hmm. And so she gave me the attachment test and I scored really high on anxious attachment. And she's like, when listening to you, I never thought you were avoiding attachment. I knew you were anxious. It's almost like embarrassing, right? It's like, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. I really don't know myself, huh? <laughs> Tell me about yeah. your experience. I thought I was avoidant. When I realized it was anxious, it would only pop up after I was in a relationship for a while with a person. And I felt, okay, this is stable. This is nice. And then it would be hints of like, oh, they're upset at me. Instead of me being like, okay, well, they're upset. It was like, oh my God, my whole body is going to jump out of my skin if they say that they're going to leave me. Like, and it was nuts. I had never been, I had never been like that. Like if someone wanted to leave, it was like, okay, bye. But as soon as it was like somebody I really cared about, it was like, my whole body's going to get set on fire. You attached it to your own self-worth. I attached it to my own self-worth. And it was like a spiral of, wow, my body's going to jump out of my skin. Wow, they're going to leave me. Wow, am I not good enough to be with? I just don't know what to do. All these thoughts are racing and they're going to leave me. They're going to leave me. And the bottom line is they're going to leave me. But really, it was a defense mechanism for me to soften the blow. It was a, well, if you're going to leave, let me put on my my breakup hat (laughs) so I can go pack my bag and we can go. (laughs) I find it interesting that you confuse that with avoidance because it's you think you're pushing that person away when in actuality you really want them closer to you and you're afraid that they will reject that and it manifests itself through avoidance but it's really just anxiousness you feel like you're unworthy of the person that you're with you have a positive image of them i've always had a positive image of other people i've never been afraid that someone would cheat on me. Um, I've always entered, if I've been cheated on, I've always entered a new relationship with a fresh start. 
my, my biggest fear was that they'd leave me because I was unworthy of them. I now have a positive image of myself. I can now go into a relationship and say, I'm the shit. You know, if this person wants to leave me, then that's on them. You know, they have every right. But that says nothing about who I am as a person. You can't think that something's wrong with you. And that's what therapy has given me. That was really good. That was a really good point. Attachment styles and other psychology terms can be learned through YouTube and Instagram, but it doesn't replace actual therapy. And it comes at a cost. Sometimes you do have to be careful of how much you're taking in. Because sometimes, if the posts are really on it, (laughs) then when you take that post in, you're also taking in that trauma right there in that moment. So you could be scrolling on Instagram, you know, getting work done and you see a post and it's, you know, it's a little tender. And you're having to process that trauma right then, right there. And that's one of the problems that I did have when I was kind of, you know, doing my social media therapy. Um, But eventually you learn like, okay, sometimes I have a time and place for this. I'm looking for a specific resource. I know exactly where to go. And then sometimes I see a post and I'm like, "Mm, let me just go ahead and keep scrolling because I'm not in the space to deal with that right now. It's not supposed to be a long-term solution. It is a resource. It is not the source. You can't get specific personal advice about your life from posts on social media. It is a helpful resource for you to start some self-reflection, but once you move from baby steps, you got to move into grown-up steps. And the grown-up steps are talking to someone who can say, you specifically, you have this issue because of XYZ in your life. And for you specifically with these issues and these coping mechanisms, I think this would be the best for you. And that's why having a therapist is so important. Utilize therapists in conjunction with social media therapy as well. Unfortunately, not everyone can afford traditional therapy. But fortunately, there are resources that make going a lot more affordable. For instance, Kayla found her therapist through a resource called Open Path Collective. Open Path is basically where you go online, you pay $59 for your entire membership forever, one time, and they give you access to therapists that give you a discount because you've gone through Open Path Collective. So my therapist specifically, I found through Open Path Collective and she offers me a discounted rate versus her regular office rate. I've also added other resources in the show notes, and you'll find that many therapists offer a sliding scale. Additionally, I've included some Instagram accounts recommended by Kayla that you can follow if you're just getting started on your path to therapy or if you just want to learn a little bit more about yourself. I hope today's episode can inspire the seeds you plant in your own life and help cultivate growth as you water them. Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next time. Peace. This podcast is powered by Straight to Tell LLC. It is produced by Kayla Mignon, written and directed by Ariel Hairston, and executive produced by Naomi Ergen. The podcast is designed by Lauren Bowers and Nika King.